Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. chapter 8 this morning. We're going to finally finish up John chapter 8 this morning. We've done about, I don't know how many messages in John chapter 8, but I'm of the opinion it's not how much scripture you go through, but how much goes through you. That's the object. We're supposed to learn something from it, understand it. We want to finish up John chapter 8 this morning, and we want to start in verse 48. And we actually want to back up and read verse 47 just to get a little context. Remember, Jesus has still been debating these Pharisees and He's told them He's the light of the world. He, he's told them that He's sent by His Father. He told these folks that He was the light of the world. He, in this chapter, He also stopped, the, stopped them from stoning the woman in adultery. And so... Just so much stuff in this chapter, and Jesus has been debating with these Pharisees, these legalists, these people who believe that by doing something or by not doing something, they're going to make it to heaven by their much learning of the Scriptures. They think because they've got Scripture memorized, they're going to make it to heaven. But Jesus tells them that's not what does it. It's trusting Christ, believing in Him, and if you've truly trusted Him, you will abide in His Word, and they don't understand, and and they accuse Him of uh, being born illegitimately. They go from just being mad with Him, making accusations, and and when we see this morning, they're going they're gonna to step it up one more notch. And they're going to really accuse him of something terrible. And then they're going to try to kill him again. But yet he's still offering the gospel. He's still telling them, I died for you and won't you come to me? And that's what he does for all of us until the day we pass out of here, until we fully and finally reject him. He keeps on giving us the word. Tell him, I died for you and I love you. So he says in verse 47, He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Verse 48, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. 
And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who was dead and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me of whom you say, that he is your God, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, or truly, truly, or verily, verily, whatever your Bible says, in other words, Listen up, this is very important. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So as we look at this section of Scripture this morning, the Jews answer him and and say, Do we not rightly say that you have a demon because... He says, whoever is of God hears God's word, and you don't hear because you're not of God. If you can't win an argument legitimately, what you do? Attack people, right? <laughs> Isn't that what the politicians do nowadays? They, they, they don't have anything good to say, and they used to, they used to wouldn't even elect the guy that would throw out slander and do the things people do today. But nowadays, that's just a standard to see how much dirt you can dig up on somebody. But, you know, here they are. They can't win the argument. They found out they're not going to win, so they, they, they throw one more last insult. They say, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan? In other words, he's a mixed breed with uh, wrong belief. The Samaritans, remember, they, they didn't believe everything that the Jews did, and so they were considered heretics. They had faulty worship. And then they also said he was mad, unclean, and evil. And so after he says that their father's the devil, what do they do? Accuse him of being demon-possessed. Isn't that what kids do on the playground? Said, you're a so-and-so. And then they say, no, you're a so-and-so. And then they step it up. You know, that's what they're doing. They're like little kids. They're just attacking him. I mean, they're acting like little children. And But notice Jesus when... When he's accused, he, he doesn't really go back and abuse them and really defend himself. But what he says is, verse 49, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. In other words, go back to uh, a little while back, back in chapter 8 and chapter 5, and he talks about the fact that, that if you honor the Father, you're honoring the Son, Right? Jesus is over and over and over again. I mean, I was looking up those words again, and the Father sent me, and you honor the, the Father is going to honor him. And over and over and over since chapter 5, Jesus has been throwing those terms out and saying, The Father sent me. I'm the representative of the Father. I'm honoring the Father, and the Father's honoring me. But you honor yourself. Remember, these are the people that are running around patting each other on the back saying, 
Oh, you're such a wonderful guy. You're such a wonderful guy. Aren't I a great guy? I'm just wonderful. I'm just wonderful. You know, and, and they, remember they prayed three prayers. And I think I've told you all this before. I couldn't remember the third one. But they said, I thank God I'm not a woman. I thank God I'm not a Gentile. And I thank God I'm not a Samaritan. Isn't that real nice? I mean, those, these were real nice people. I mean, they prayed three prayers. I thank God I'm not a woman. I thank God I'm not a Gentile. And I thank God I'm not a Samaritan. They thought they were somebody, but they really weren't because they were not trusting in God. And God says whoever lifts himself up will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted at the proper time by God. That's what Jesus is doing. And when we get to John 17, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to ask the Father to glorify Him with the glory which He had before the foundation of the world. Guess what? The Father honors Him. He glorifies Him. But until then, Jesus is humble. He is meek. He is mild. He is seeking to do the will of the Father. But they aren't. And they dishonor Him and they dishonor the Father who sent Him. And He says, verse 50, And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges... I keep telling y'all folks, I'm Jesus and you need to come to me. And yet, there's one who judges and y'all are going to get judged. But he says, most assuredly, there's that most assuredly again. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Basically, he's saying the same thing about he said over here in a minute ago. He keeps telling, I told you the truth. And then he tells them that if anyone obeys my commands or abides in my word, and now he says, whoever keeps my word shall never see death. You know, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean? And, and that's what they say in a minute. Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham's dead, the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Taste death, excuse me. And then he says, Are you greater than the father Abraham who was dead and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? The message here is that the Son of God did not come to judge. Remember John 3.16 says that God so loved the world, right? That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But what's the next verse say? Anybody know that one? We don't remember that verse. But it says that, that Jesus didn't come to judge, but he, but he came to give people life, right? He didn't come to condemn. He, he did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but it, that the world through Him might be saved. That's what Jesus came to do, is to save the world, to give us salvation, to, to, to show us the right way to live. But what happens every time you tell people about Jesus? Or you try to tell them the right thing to do. They, they try to make you think that you are better than them. Or say, who are you to judge me? But, you know, it's not us that's judging Him. It's the Word of God that's judging them. It's God in Heaven who's judging them. And it's not that we're trying to think we're better than other people. I hope we don't think that. But the bottom line is, is you know, but by the grace of God, here go I. The bottom line is is that, that God wants all people to be saved. And all of us mess up. All of us do things that are wrong. 
Jesus is saying, look, y'all keep threatening me, y'all keep calling me names, y'all keep telling me all these things, and I'm still holding out the gift of salvation to you. Now that's what I call love. The Bible says while we were yet enemies and sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 10. And so they've called him a half-breed, demonized. And so he says, most surely I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, hears my word, holds on to his teaching, observes, pays attention, whatever you want to say, they will never see death. What does he mean we'll never see death? Because people die all the time. He means, yes, these bodies will die. But I heard, heard it told about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, when, before he died, he said, he says, when you hear that D.L. Moody has died, don't believe it. I will be more alive than I have ever been. And I heard about another guy that preached a funeral for another man, and, and he, sh- he shouted out in the middle of the funeral, He is not dead, he is alive. And really, that's the way it is. These bodies die. But the soul, if we know Christ, the Bible says in James that sin brings forth death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? And we talked about a couple of weeks ago in uh, 1 Corinthians, he says in verse 51, I behold, behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, or die, but we should all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye and the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead and will be raised incorruptible and will be changed. And then he says in verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God removes the sting of death. Yes, it still hurts to die. Yes, dying is not the best thing. We, we don't like it. And the Bible tells us that we are afraid to die. It, it talks about that in Hebrews chapter 2. That when Jesus died, He died that through Him that we who were kept in bondage of slavery all our lives, He has removed the fear of death. And, you know, I don't know when I get to the place that, you know, I'm real close or whatever, but it says He will release those who through the fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. And so basically what Jesus tells us and what the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 23 is, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Death is but a shadow. We've talked about that before. Would you would you like to get hit with the shadow of a truck or the shadow of a bat? Or do you want to get hit with the bat? I want to get hit with the shadow, right? <laughs> and and that's the way it is for those of us who die in Christ. We are dying physically our bodies But our spirits, our souls, because of who we are in Christ, if we know Christ, will be more alive than we've ever been. We will be totally free. And maybe that's part of what Jesus said when He said in John chapter 8, If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. He sets us free from all kinds of sin, all kinds of problems, 
addictions and things that we do wrongly. But He also sets us free from the fear of death, or He should, because we shouldn't fear dying. Now, we might not like the method we go, but fear of death shouldn't be a a fear anymore. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? And that's what Paul said, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So if God has something for me here to do, I'll do it. But if I die, I'm going to heaven and I'll be with Jesus. And and man, that's so much better, right? But, you know, we're, we like the little kid that, that when the preacher said, does, does anybody want to go to heaven? And he wouldn't speak up. And he said, well, don't you want to go to heaven someday? And the little boy said, oh, I thought you was getting a load up for today. Now, we want to go, but we just don't want to go today, right? And that's the way we all are. But see, Paul said, I... I'm hard pressed to choose between the two. Should I, you know, I, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> and he's not talking about staying in one place or another, but he's talking about heaven or earth. You know, that's really the way it should be. There should be a longing. There should be a desire to be in heaven and to be with Christ and to know the freedom. Be free from these old bodies that hurt and get sick and ache and have all these problems. But if you don't know Christ, the Bible says that there's a fear of death. And sometimes we get afraid too because we don't know the process. We don't know what we're going to do to get there. But the Bible says that we just fall asleep and the angels just as the angels carry us up to God. And we shouldn't be afraid. That's what Jesus says. And He says in verse 54, when they said, Who do you make yourself out? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Remember, that's verse 53. Remember the woman at the well? She said, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us these wells? Now, these people go a little step higher and said, Are you greater than our father Abraham? And he says, you know, the prophets are dead. All these people are dead. Who do you think you are, Jesus? And Jesus answers again, verse 54, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that He is your God. If we do what God wants us to do, God's going to honor us, right? They say, he, they say God's my God, but yet they're blaspheming Jesus. Yet you have not known Him, but I know Him. There it is again. And if I say I do not know Him, I shall be a liar like you. He steps it up too. So if you go call me names, and and I'm going to make it harder and harder and harder for you people to come to me because you don't want to believe, you don't care, you don't whatever. You don't want to be a part of anything I have to do. I'm doing so. I'm just going to shut you down totally and completely. And He says, but I do know Him and keep His Word. Verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So he says basically that I know the Father and I keep His Word. You're not keeping Him, His Word. You don't know Him. But Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now how, how did he see that? Because they say you're not yet 50 years old, and 50 was supposedly the the age of completion for a Jew, and I don't know exactly where that came from, but they they throw out this number 50 and they say, you're not even 50 yet. 
have you seen Abraham? Because Abraham was alive a couple thousand years ago, right? So Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So in other words, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now what does that mean? It means that all the way back, remember who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Abraham, right? And if anybody tells you anything any different, they're a heretic. There's a group of people out there that claim it was written by several different authors. But you can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, right after the Adam and Eve sin. And God puts a curse on them and He also tells them the blessing. He says in verse 15, I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. Her seed under her is capitalized. That's talking about Eve. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's talking about Jesus coming, the the devil having him put on the cross and killed, but God ultimately crushes the devil. Genesis 15. That's the first good news of the Bible. Y'all know about that one? It's called uh, the first good news of the Bible. I'll run back over that one real quick. It says, I will put hatred between you and the woman. This is God speaking to to, uh, the devil, the, the serpent. He says, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's talking about Jesus coming that he will be bruised, he will be beaten, but he doesn't ultimately die and stay dead, right? Because he's alive. And so he bruises his head, but what does God do through the death on the cross? He crushes the head of the Satan, right? And ultimately he kills Satan, throws him in the lake of fire, then he talks about the woman that her sorrow will be multiplied through conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. That's the first good news in the Bible. That's what the, the theologians call the euangelion, the first good news. And it is the first time that God says there's a promise coming. And then what does he do? He promises in Genesis 15, Genesis 16. Genesis 12 and other places that through Abraham's seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed, right? And what does it say in Galatians chapter 4? It talks about that seed. Let me turn over there real quick. Not Galatians chapter 4, it's Galatians 3, verse 16. It's funny how there's a lot of 315s and a lot of 316s. The good news, even though man. God didn't inspire the chapter breaks. It's kind of funny. 316 is all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Three, uh, 316 of Galatians is, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed, now seed is capitalized because that's Jesus, where the promise is made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, capitalized seed, S, who is Christ, and I say that this, that the law which cannot, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant, was confirmed before God and Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. 
For if it is of the inheritance, if the inheritance is, excuse me, for if the inheritance is not of, is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. In other words, God promised Abraham a long time ago, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, that one day there was going to be through his family line, there was going to be a child born, that seed that, that was going to become the one who would die on the cross, die for our sins, that yes, the devil would crut, would would bruise his heel, would hurt him because he would be bruised for our iniquities. He would be beaten for our sins. But it says God laid the iniquity of us all on him. But he says by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53. That one day we go to heaven because of what Jesus did, right? And when we believe by faith. And so that's what he's saying here. That that's how Abraham saw it. Unless there was some specific place that God did something beyond that. But we don't know that. It's not in the Bible. But I know very specifically God revealed over and over and over again to Abraham that one day he was coming and that he would die on that cross. And Abraham was glad to see that day. That was what he believed. By faith, Abraham believed. And the Bible says, and it was reckoned to him for for faith and, and because he believed in what Jesus said, what God said, that he went to heaven. So Abraham believed that Jesus Christ was coming. We look back and believe that Jesus Christ has come. That's, you know, nobody was saved anything different in the old way, Old Testament. They just believed he was coming. We believe that he has come. That's the difference. Well, people say, well, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Same way they're saved today, faith. They believe God. They believe that Jesus was coming. God revealed that all the way back in Genesis 3.15. He did it in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 16. He told Jacob through him all the families of the earth. Told Isaac that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Here it is. Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced because he knew that people wouldn't have to live the way they've always lived, that they could go to heaven one day because of what Jesus would do on the cross. So Abraham, the Jews attack him, say, look, you're not even 50 years old. And Jesus responds, truly, truly, most assuredly, I say unto you before Abraham was, I am. And what is I am? That is that name, not I was, not I will be. But I am. I've always existed. I always will exist. That was the name given in the desert when God, when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? Exodus 3.14 And God says, Say that I am sent me. And if you look in the book of Revelation and you look many places, the Bible says that God is Yahweh. He is I am. He is the great I am. Not I was, but God has always existed. And if He's always existed, that that, that means He's not I was or I will be, but I am. He's always there, right? Always has been, always will be. And guess what? The Jews knew exactly what He was saying. He was claiming to be God again. 
And guess what they did? It says verse 59. Then they took up stones to to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple and going through the midst of them and so passed by. You know, it said in Leviticus uh, chapter 24, if a man blasphemes the name of God, what are you supposed to do? Stone him and kill him, right? And even though the fact is, is they were under Roman authority, they really didn't really weren't really supposed to have the authority to do any of that. They didn't care at this point. They were so mad. They were so angry. They went from being emotionally mad to attacking to physical, I want to kill you. And they literally tried to kill Jesus right then and there. But remember, the Bible said many times in the book of John that His hour had not yet come and because the time for Him to go to the cross had not come because Jesus went to the cross on a specific day at a specific time and He died at the same time those lambs were dying because He was the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And He had to die at that time. And so if He had died here, He wouldn't have died as Scripture predicted. He wouldn't have died as God has said over and over and over again in His Word. But guess what? He passes right through them. He must have disappeared. He hid and He disappeared and He was gone. And they tried again. They tried to make Him king. He passed through the crowd and was gone. He, he hid Himself. He was gone. And they tried to kill Him. He's gone. You can't do anything to Jesus until He's ready. Because Jesus said, I lay my life down. No man takes it from me. But I also have the power to take it up again. The bottom line is, is this is kind of it. Jesus said, I am God. And He just specifically uses that word Yahweh. And you know what? The Jews wouldn't even use the word Yahweh. They would use the word Adonai or Jehovah. But they wouldn't use the word Yahweh because it was so sacred. They didn't want to mispronounce it. They didn't want to write it down. And even today, when you see when the Jews write the word God, they will write G and a little underline, underscore, and then D. They won't write G-O-D. They write G underscore D. They won't write Yahweh. They wrote Y-W-H-W, I believe it was, Yahweh. They wouldn't write it. And Jesus pronounces it, says, I am Yahweh. I am God. And they want to kill Him. Well, folks, we have two choices. Jesus is either deity or He was demon-possessed. He's either Lord or He's a liar or He's a lunatic. He's either Yahweh or He's crazy. I mean, you know, we have to make the choice. And these folks decided he was demon-possessed, he was a Samaritan, he was crazy. And that's what they tried to do, was kill him because of it. But the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. Well, let's uh, pray, and then we'll sing number 8 in the garden. Father, we love You, we thank You, we praise You. And we thank You that we can come to the garden and we can walk with You and talk with You. And You tell us that we are Your own. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for the many things that you've done for us, and we thank you most of all for your Son. And we thank you that he loved us. You loved us so much that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, if there's even one that's not trusted you, I pray today that you would help them to cry out and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.